Welcome to our latest podcast. I'm delighted to be joined today by James Henderson, who has been managing uh, investment trusts for the Henderson Group for, I think, 25 years now. Very experienced and uh, successful manager in the field. He uh, is the lead manager on three investment trusts, Lord Adventure, Lowland and uh, Henderson Opportunities, which between them have uh, something over, I think, a billion pounds of assets. I'd like to start, James, if I may, by just asking you about the current market situation, where you think we are in the investment cycle. I think you started managing investment trusts in 1990 in a bear market. You've lived through five or six nasty corrections since then. Do you think that's what we're facing now, or is this just a market wobble, if you like? I think it's more of the latter. Usually, markets end when companies have geared themselves up particularly the industrials, they become too complacent. They put in capital spend that isn't justified by the sales and they have debt on their balance sheets. None of that's happening this time. Companies are generating cash, corporate debt's low. There hasn't been a capital spend boom. Every piece of um, capital spend in recent years by most corporates has has had to be justified well thought through and yes there'll be disappointments but that's a that's a very different environment to an extended upswing that leads to overcapacity and debt so i think cash generation would lead you to think that companies corporates are in strong they can go through more difficult headwinds um in the economy and come through the other side. And equity markets are overly concerned about the health of these companies. So from a bottom down up perspective, I don't think this is the end of the bull market. I know economists will have their doubts. um, But I think talking to companies, there's a robustness that isn't being reflected in valuations. So just briefly, in that case, how do you you explain what's been happening in the last... uh couple of weeks and obviously since uh, last summer there have been periodic bouts of uh, nervousness or weakness in the markets well there th- th- that said there is there is a problem you know china has been a, 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 has grown strongly um it has helped the, the global economy i believe that china is still in the medium term going to going to grow emerging markets are going to keep emerging over time we will fly more miles and aeroplanes in five years time than we do today there will be more cars on the road driven around but you don't necessarily get there in a straight line there will be these periods when demand slackens and but it's it's then to take it too far to say this leads to long-term recession long-term problems it is part of what happens in economies the whole time there are cycles going on and within those cycles when you're living through them they feel particular they can feel vicious markets do overreact they do predict more recessions than actually happen indeed and so does that also mean the corollary therefore is that you may be finding some uh, more attractive opportunities now because prices have come off well, reasonably significantly by 10% or so is that the kind of opportunity uh, environment you like uh, as a patient long-term investor yes you, you've got to use these downturns to refresh the portfolio um, it is in slowdowns and in difficult times management teams reassert the disciplines that will look after them in better times um, companies that are really grappling with thinking about what they're really good at and then focusing on that are going to be good long-term investments so yes definitely um, using this period to to buy things that are being 
treated unfairly, in my view, by the market. Things for many companies are never as good as you're told, and they're rarely as bad as you're told. And we're going through one of those periods at the moment where too many, particularly in the industrial area, are being told that they are poor companies, when in fact they're companies that are good at what they do. It's just there's a bit of a headwind at the moment that will pass. You Clearly, you would not be, you have a, a relatively uh, overweight position in the industrial sector, as, as you've just said. And, and of course, you wouldn't be doing that if you thought that we were heading into a recession because they tend to be cyclical and they tend to be uh, uh, very sensitive to economic growth. So um, you're very happy to maintain that overweight position. How, how big a position is it and, and, and what sort of companies have you got in there? Well, for Lowland, it, it, the industrials are about a third of the portfolio. They're not very different to that in Henderson Opportunities. They'd be marginally less in law debenture. The industrials are a big broad brush. You know, there are companies in there that are doing very different things that are growing strongly. There are companies in there that are being hurt by the turn down in mining because they, 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 they supply the mining industry. I mean, the global economy is growing. America is still growing two and a half plus percent. The UK is growing at about that too. Um, there is a big, for instance, in the UK and the States, there's a good infrastructure spend going on and companies industrial there are industrial companies that are working and benefiting from that pickup in infrastructure spend too often we think about emerging markets there's still the biggest economy of far is america and when america starts to spend a bit more on its bridges and roads there are beneficiaries and what about the mining companies? I think that's a position where they're also cyclical and where I think you've been starting to rebuild a position as, as your start is to build uh, patiently and slowly uh, over over a period of time as a, as a contrarian investor. Are you not worried you may have bought in too early to some of these stocks like Glencore and, and Anglos? Yeah, it has been too early. Um, but as you say, as you say in, in small starts, size, start to buy and then on days you really don't it looks really red and miserable buy a bit more don't don't ever feel particularly rushed about it because it's it'll take its time to work its way through um but you know you are buying well below replacement costs in these companies um they are there is in the uk quote in the uk companies with really good assets behind them be they rios billiton actually anglos i'm buying at the moment that's more controversial you can almost see people sort of slight taking a breath when you walk over to with a dealing ticket to the dealers and anglos at the moment but you know de beers it's in the anglo group is is a it's a really quality asset and diamond prices do recover somewhere out there they probably recover probably quicker than iron ore prices um, and De Beers will be leading the way obviously in that recovery in prices so again disciplines are learnt managements have to take grit with their business in when they've got this sort of headwind but it's those disciplines that will serve them well in, in, in better times and shareholders will be surprised at the kind of margin um, that can be achieved on not a great deal of top-line improvement. But what is the argument for buying them sort of now, as it were? Is it because if they, when the cycle does turn, as it presumably will do quite soon in your view, uh, that you then be scrambling to catch up if you haven't already built some sort of position in those stocks? It is that at the bottom what happens is prices are very volatile. So if you're trying to... Fo- if you think something's cheap and prices are very volatile... Um, the best thing to do is just buy small amounts on the, the on the weakness. If you just try and time it, I've never been able to do that because the, the share prices will recover. There will be some false dawns and you're sucked in on the false dawn 
only to be kicked hard when it falls again. It's much better to say, this is what you want to do in a medium-term sense, lay out your stall, and then buy slowly on the weekdays. And there will be full storms, and it will take longer for some of these companies to recover, and some won't recover. You need a portfolio approach. But the discipline of value investing is contrarian in value investing, is to, to, to buy when it's, when it's painful like this and um, try and control the risk by, by doing it slowly, doing it without getting sucked in on, on, the, on the pickup, on the strength. And even if you had a good recovery, you, you can actually even sell a few because, it, again, at the bottom, as I say, you'll, you, you see this marked volatility. In the UK, though, I mean, as a as an investment trust, which uh, takes great pride in its long um, history of dividend increases or um, and, and maintained and increasing dividends, are you not worried, as many of us just seem to be, by the the risks to uh, the UK market in particular because of its overexposure to the miners and so on, which have very high yields and where many people expect them to be cut? Um, well, I believe that most, a lot of them will cut. So the, the Glencore and the Anglos already, there's no dividend there. Um, but it doesn't stop buying because I believe in a three, four year view, they return to the dividend list and the prices we're paying today in one or two of them will be historically very good prices. So the historic yield you're buying on them is high. Great thing about an investment trust being closed ended with a relatively large revenue reserve is we can smooth at the same time because there's this mixture of large, medium and small companies, um, quite a lot of the medium and small companies, good dividend growth is coming through. So it's really sort of quite ironic. I can predict where the dividends are going for the small company portfolio more easily than the large company portfolio. And I never thought I'd say that. But it, so it's coming through there. As I say, we've got, a, we've got a revenue reserve. And I think what will refresh the revenue account three years' time is some of these zero yielders coming back onto the list. And we've got visibility with the revenue reserve and with the smaller company dividend growth to see the dividend growing for the, for the next few years. And then hopefully some of these recovery types things will be kicking in with dividend payments then. One of the distinctive things about your investment approach is you do have this uh, multi-cap um, discipline where you very broadly invest about a third in large caps, a third in mid caps, a third in small caps, including AIM stocks, uh, which is is relatively unusual, I think, in the in the sector. Small cap has been very, very strong in the last few years. It had a wobble in, in 2014. But um, are you surprised how well it's done or is it something that you've uh, you would expect over time? I think the some of that is recovery from pretty oversold levels after the financial crisis of 2008. Some of that is what's now seen in the numbers that you've got better dividend cover in the small cap, you've got you've got better earnings growth coming through as in aggregate in that area, um, and it's been some of the big companies that that have been the big disappointments. Um, I think one of the things is that the life cycle of companies is getting shorter and faster. So, a company like Tesco's was a blue chip. FTSE 100 company that was liked and respected across the market a few years ago, only for people to question it. Uh, the margins fallen sharply, and the management's had to reinvent some of their practices and relearn some some disciplines. Um, I think these things are happening faster. So I think big cap investing is 
quite difficult. You, there is very few companies you can just hold and forget about because um, the, the, it, it keep, the world keeps changing and it's changing at a faster rate. As if you can buy that smaller cap that becomes medium-sized or larger cap, well, then obviously you're, you're going the right way as long as you remember that even that will change and change in time so um i think i think it is big cap investing has altered because of this speed of change so in other words the big the big beasts are getting uh, they're getting um if you like uh, competed out by uh, by new challenges, challenges disruptors and so on exactly yeah exactly and that you see that whether it's on the high street with its technological change is, is undermining some business franchises very fast and in relation to that, you say you've obviously got a significant overweight in industrials, which are uh, broadly cyclic in nature, but you don't have much exposure to the banks at the moment in, in relative terms. Um, why is that? Because they too would be expected to uh, to do reasonably well if we're into a period of continued growth. I, th- I think we still don't know where it ends up with the banks. The, it is payback period time now from the politicians, from the regulator, for the excesses that they had to put right, the regulator, the authorities that is, had to put right in 2008, and that we're still living with that. So, we, the only thing we're sure about is the regulator just doesn't want it to happen again, and therefore the bar keeps having to go up as regards their capital requirements, um, and it, it doesn't seem to stop that. And there, the payback is coming in other ways, these fines. Um, also pay back in that the customer doesn't have a great deal of loyalty to the banks anymore. So as franchises, there is still a lot for them to address. You don't know how much capital they're going to need. You don't know what kind of returns on capital they're going to make. You don't know what earnings and dividends they'll pay in time. So I hope there is nothing wrong with the banks, not because I've got much, but because it means the economy's fine and other parts of the portfolio will benefit from UK PLC strengthening. Um, and so I don't feel I need to be there until the un- uncertainty is clear. Um, you don't have to be everywhere. You could, it just it things you're comfortable with make them count, but don't feel you have to be in, in companies and in any company. And can I finally ask you um, just to give us a couple of examples of, of stocks or perhaps sectors where you have been adding recently and where you actually see the most potential in looking through your portfolio of about 120 stocks? What sort of things are getting you excited about? Yes. Well, I'm just adding to Rolls-Royce at the moment. Um, it, there, There's a company that, again, it's rather like Tesco's. Once the chief executive left, um, very, very admired, highly thought of. Investors were over-enthused um, about Rolls-Royce. There was still very difficult bits in the, in the business. Now it's had management change. New management is facing up to some of the problems in the business. At the same time, there was an element of truth all along. It is a great company. It's got wonderful technologies in there. It's got product that's truly globally competitive alongside General Electric. It is the big, for the big plane, it is, it is, it's part of the duopoly that supplies the 787. That gives it a visibility in its order book that, um, that isn't being appreciated at the moment. Yes, it's got questions to answer. It's got work to do to restore the margin, and these things will take time. But if you start with a really good business, 
that's got that's growing it's a better place to be than not having a strong business rural technology technologies so i think that actually the recovery will happen quicker than people think and maybe something in the sort of smaller cap sector of the, of the portfolio well one i've just been buying is shoe zone which came to the market and disappointed a, uh, six months ago actually it's a wonderful cash generative business with um, a management team that's really focused that have built the business up themselves um, it's generating a lot of cash it's paying a special dividend on top of its ordinary dividend um, they really know their business and the ambition is focused on understanding what they've got and growing what they've got rather than trying to grow too quick and instead returning the cash via special dividends to the investors. So I think it was a real good compounding story over time. Very good. Well, thank you very much, uh, James, for your time and for your very helpful and informative answers. Thank you very much indeed. Well, thank you. Thank you.